Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Spesh. Hello. What's happening, buddy? Well, I've got some, uh, well, we know about my, uh, my, uh, Burt Reynolds Memorial River Run that me and the boys do every year. Yep. So this week, uh, the, well, so 2018, Burt Reynolds passed away, and, uh, this week on the 14th, uh, Ned Beatty, who played Bobby, he, uh, he passed away this week. He, uh, so there's a, there's a second individual now that on our, uh, river runs that we're going to be toasting. Yeah. He was in the movie Deliverance. Yep. And, uh, yeah, he, uh, passed away there, uh, together this week. Mm-hmm. Sorry to hear that. Yeah. He led a good life. He's, uh, he was prolific back in the day. He was in so many movies. Oh, there's a few he, people like that there. Yeah. Just in everything. Just an insane amount of movies that he was in. Yeah. So, uh, unfortunately that's, uh, but it apparently it was natural causes too. Yes. Yeah. Natural yeah. causes. Well, he was 83. 83 years so. old. Yep. Um, so fire ban. Yes. Fire ban. So, uh, I, I don't know who was telling me about this because I said, what? They lifted the fire ban. So Algonquin Park on Monday of this week. Yeah. Monday of this week, they lifted the fire ban, but over the weekend, they, uh, somebody was telling me that they got a whole bunch of rain up in that area. Oh, we got a whole bunch here too. So, so yeah. So, uh, there we go. It's, uh, the fire ban in Algonquin Park is currently lifted. Who knows when it's going to change again, but, uh. Well, and we talked a couple, a few episodes ago about like, it's not even June yet and they're already. I know. When we were talking about Manitoba. Low water levels. It yeah. It was a very dry, dry winter. And, and, uh, you know, already had fire bans yeah. and everything and forest fires go on and then all of a sudden. You know, beginning of June, and there's a fire ban in Algonquin already. I know. It's, like, it's way early. It's like, how is that possible? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. So, yeah, I think there's good, like we mentioned there, this is going to be a bad year for it. So everybody just needs to take that extra bit of care when they're uh, dealing with their fire pits and their gas stoves. And- exactly. So the fire ban is currently lifted, but you should always be prepared going into the backcountry that things might change as you drive to your entry point, that, you know, the fire bans might be reinstated and so on. So be prepared to have, you know, a, a proper fuel stove that uh, you can turn off and stuff like that. You're not going to be able to use your twig stove if there's a fire ban and so on. So, but uh, it, it's... Uh, it's still, it's, it's good that, uh, you know, one of the things that, uh, is a key part of any camping trip is, is, uh, sitting around and having a chat around the campfire. And, uh, mm-hmm. so that, that'll be something that's, uh, back on, uh, on the plan for people that, uh, I'm sure a lot of people appreciate being able to have campfires again. Yeah. And with all that wood up in Ontario parks, then, uh, all that wet wood that they usually sell will be <laughs> in abundance. Yes. <laughs> Ooh, sorry. Was that my outside voice? <laughs> They're notorious for that. It's so sad. <laughs> Oops. Uh, yeah. So yeah, like I say, just take care uh, with uh, any open flames. The Texas water safari update. Ah, yes. I was following it on the weekend. So it was, uh. The individual we, we West Hansen that we interviewed last episode. Yeah, West Hansen. So he's uh, him and his team have finished first thing Monday morning at about eight forty-five our time, seven forty-five yeah. their time. Forty-six hours and one minute. <laughs> I bet if they had known the time, they would have one last push to get it in under forty-six hours. It was, it was an extra pee break you took. <laughs> Forty-six hours and one minute. <laughs> tenth overall, seventh in their class. It was an unlimited class. Tenth overall. It was ninth yeah. overall. Uh, no, tenth. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Going by what what is on their yeah. site yeah. and everything, and. 
The first overall winners did it in 35 hours, 46 minutes. So that kind of goes to show that this was a bit of a tougher year with uh, blowdowns mm-hmm. and with uh, water levels and so on because uh, previous, uh, uh, you know, winning times were in the mid-20s, late 20s, 20 no, hours. Early 30s. Uh, wasn't there a 27-hour back uh, in 2016 or 2015? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I thought I saw some really low times there. But, yeah, Could so be. it's it's still, it's... For uh, to do it in that amount of time, you have to do it in under hundred hours, or you're you're out. Yeah. They just say, "Hey, your race is done. You you you've passed the you four know, days and four hours." Yeah, yeah. Huh. And these guys did it in forty six hours and one minute. In one minute, it's that one minute. <laughs> They had my respect until that one minute showed up. <laughs> yeah. So that was the, uh, so it was West Hanson, Jeff Woist. And Weisty. Woisty. Yeah. And Jimmy Harvey. And Jimmy Harvey. Boat number 330. Mm-hmm. There was a three of them in the boat. The team that won, I think they were either five or six guys. Yeah. The team was called the Arctic Cowboys or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the Cowboys. But they call them, well, there's the Cowboys. Yeah. This was but the Arctic Cowboys. But I think they were Arctic Cowboys because these guys, I think, are heading... Hopefully, oh yes, the they're going to do the Northwest Passage. I didn't, I didn't, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't make that connection, but I knew they were doing the Northwest Passage. As soon as things open up, they're going to head for the passage. Yeah. So, West was telling us last week about this gentleman, seventy-one years old, I believe, John Boogie. He finished his forty-second Texas Water Safari this year. This year, forty-two years. That's incredible. That's phenomenal. So this year was West's 25th. 25th. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. And yeah, John Boogie's done it 42 years. Now, did West say that he completed 25, but he participated? No, he's, I in think like, he's, he's, this was his 25th that he's participated okay, in. Okay, but, but he's own, maybe he only finished 21 or something? Something like that, he, yeah. A couple of them he had to drop out of for yeah. due yeah. to injuries or something. Yeah. So, yeah, the Texas Water Safari. You know what? Like, we were talking about if we won the millions <laughs> early before the show with all the things. Yeah. All I know is that apparently if I win $70 million, <laughs> there's a lot of things that I'm going to be doing naked. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that came off, but apparently there's a lot of things I will be yeah. doing nude. I know, right? <laughs> $7 million? <laughs> so find me. <laughs> Bring your ticket book tomorrow because I'm going to do something else in the news. You can ticket me again. <laughs> <laughs> Before we started recording, we were daydreaming about the Lotto Max because it's the currently it's uh, seventy million dollar. Uh, the the main pot is seventy million dollars. It's like holy cow, the fun you'd have with that. Yeah, it's uh, could do a lot of things, but this would be one of them. Yeah, <laughs> I could hire somebody to race it for me. <laughs> <laughs> Can we do that? <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Just put my name down. Sean's boat. We're racing yeah. it for him. Name Lazy. the team. Name the yeah. team after you. Yeah. Well, that's like I said, I would buy all the land around Killarney, start my own town, call it not Killarney. <laughs> <laughs> the things I would do with my money, you crazy kids. Um, Is there anything else? Uh, oh, oh. Cat my... National Park. Oh, yes, yes. Ye old brown bears. Yep. There is a camera the at the the uh, Brooks Falls. Where so all the, it, they it, all... If anybody's seen video of bears gobbling salmon as they go up a waterfall, this is this is a very famous spot. People go there and uh, 
and just watch the bears. There's usually like a, a couple dozen bears that are just feeding on these salmon as they as they uh, migrate up this river, right? And uh, so the bears are catching all these salmon. And just it, last year, well, we talked about the uh, the winning bear who ate all the salmon. He's oh, the heaviest the bear. fattest bear. The fattest bear. He was at these falls, the I think. The big-boned bear. Yeah, the big-boned bear. <laughs> so... But yeah, so the, I imagine a lot of people have seen videos of bears feeding on salmon at this waterfalls. Anyways, you can go to a live YouTube channel and it's being aired 24 hours a day type thing. And uh, you just click on the channel and uh, and you can see the bears, you know, gobbling up salmon just whenever you want. It's live. And uh, it's one of those things that reminded me that uh, when I saw the uh, story on these uh, the Brooks Falls uh, bears, there's uh, there's quite a few little live channels that are out there. And I've... I've you know, on slow days or whatever, I'll just let that play in the background and I'll kind of watch. And there's there's uh, one out in BC, it shows orcas, it's called the Rubbing Beach. And the orcas swim by the beach and it's just a popular spot for the orcas. They just rub their hides on the on the gravelly sand at the bottom of this beach, underwater obviously. But they um, it's just to get barnacles and whatever off them, scratches their skin, gets rid of parasites. And uh, so there's also, you know, like uh, a stork channel where these uh, storks are feeding their babies and so on. And it's, there's a lot of interesting live YouTube channels out there. You know, of course, you can see the International Space Station as it rotates around flat Earth and stuff like that, right? Uh. Uh, I, saw, <laughs> I saw a little cartoon the other day speaking of flat Earth. It's all these surfers on a wave. Yeah. And it's like, I think the title was something along the lines of... Um, a lot of surfers missing after first annual uh, flat earth surfing competition. <laughs> and they're all going over the edge. <laughs> I heard somebody say something about flat earth. They said, you know, it, you know that flat earth doesn't exist, that it's a round earth because somebody would have capitalized on that. They would have had to resort at the edge of the flat earth and you'd be able to swing on a swing and swing over the edge of the flat earth. And it would be totally capitalized upon and somebody's going to be making money off that. And since somebody isn't, Earth round, <laughs> hmm. so, but seriously, when anything I win that you need seventy million. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to find a cliff somewhere and say this is the edge of the earth. <laughs> yeah, this is the side of the earth. Put the blindfold on; you can't see anything. <laughs> Just pretend. Yeah, uh, yeah. So if you go to Google and uh, hit type in Brooks Falls Brown Bear Cams, yeah, then uh, it'll pop right up, and you just click on it and. Yeah, there's a whole section of YouTube that's dedicated to uh, live views. Or just go YouTube Live, and uh, you'll see hundreds of live channels that'll that'll pop up. And and so it's interesting. You can follow like eagles nesting and having babies, and storks nesting and having babies, bears eating fish, or orcas scratching themselves on a the beach. It's like there's so much interesting stuff out there. Just to kind of daydream about wildlife, right? So it's one of those things. You've heard of cable TV too, right? Uh, I was going through, was I was looking at something the other day and I came across something called concrete canoes. Ah, yes. Yes. And I think, of course, a concrete canoe, because we've been talking about different materials. Oh, remember when we were talking about, um, the reed. Oh, the reed boats. The reed boats. Yeah. One of the, somebody made a comment on our page, and we I didn't really say it because um, I started thinking about materials we fit we find around here that we could use, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, hemp rope. 
Yeah. Use hemp rope. But I just don't know anybody that makes hemp rope around here. Is that... But hemp rope, is that buoyant enough? Well, we tie it. Oh, to tie it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Natural yeah. rope, yeah. Yeah, so a natural fiber rope yeah. would be hemp. Yeah. But I don't know anybody around here that makes it. Mm-hmm. So his suggestion was grow our own. <laughs> <laughs> so when I win the $7 million, I'm buying some land to make rope. Yeah. <laughs> to grow rope. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I was, I was, follow this thing. Did you know that concrete canoe competitions are a thing? I had heard about it in the past. Uh, like I, I've heard about over many years ago, like you, you make sailboats and stuff out of concrete. It's very popular amongst certain, you know, groups of people. But yeah, I have heard about the concrete canoe thing in the past, but I hadn't really looked into it in a few years. So it was, uh, it was interesting to look at, uh, into it again. And, uh, I noticed that. Well, currently the uh, the title has been swapping around a lot recently, but I thought it was interesting that Laval University in Montreal, Quebec, is a Canadian. Yeah, they uh, they've won a lot of these competitions. Mm-hmm. That was over the years. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, they've been using apparently concrete in boats and barges and stuff since like the 1860s. Yes. Yeah. Who mm-hmm. knew? Uh, I'm not that well versed in concretes and cements and yeah. what the difference between the two are and <laughs> all that sort of thing. It's mainly a university engineering students deal. Exactly. There is Canadian version and there's a separate U.S. version. Uh, I'm sure there's other versions around the world. Yeah. I, I went down the rabbit hole, but I didn't go completely to the bottom <laughs> of the rabbit hole. <laughs> Uh, it basically, a lot of them say, you know, it's providing civil engineering students an opportunity to gain hands-on practical experience and leadership skills by working with concrete mixed designs and project management. And it builds awareness of versatility and durability of concrete as a construction material because they're going to need to know this stuff. Yes. You know, if these guys are the yeah. ones building our bridges and buildings and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff when they get out of school. Yeah. They're going to need to know this. Uh, it creates awareness of concrete technology and application. When you're thinking technology, you're not thinking of concrete. <laughs> yeah. I know, but you'd be surprised at the, what technology is involved in concrete these days. Well, I really wouldn't. <laughs> I read a report. <laughs> Most of which went right over my head. <laughs> So there's design rules and regs from the Committee on National Concrete Canoe Competitions, the CNCCC, as it were. Okay. <laughs> it's a true thing. I'm not making it up. <laughs> Google it. Uh, usually the length of the canoe is restricted to 22 feet. Okay. In length, but it can be shorter. That's still a big canoe. Yeah. Dimensions for other canoe parameters, such as width, depth, hull thickness, chines and rocker, are not regulated and their values are at the sole discretion of the team. Mm-hmm. So these are, are from their rules and regs that they've they've had. Now, I must say that this year, because um, usually what happens is, is in this, they, the university students, they get together in their team for their, for their university and they come up with their designs, they come up with their, their, their boat, they build it and they have to do a report and, uh, and whatnot. Uh, this year, it was actually a virtual deal, so yeah. there was no building actually involved. So they took different boat or boats from previous years, 
and they had to evaluate oh, how they okay, were yeah, built yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Um, but usually it's a whole hands-on team. Let's build this baby and get it out on the water. So they have these rules and regulations, and, and, the, and these are some of them. Concrete mixtures shall comply with all specifications. Materials not constituting part of a concrete mixture, except for those used for flotation, shall be classified as reinforcing material and comply with all specifications. Did you understand that? No, I'm trying to find the sentence so I can read it myself. (laughs) (laughs) Buckle up, baby. There's a whole lot of that. (laughs) Structural elements such as ribs, gunnels, thwarts, and bulkheads are permitted if they do not impede paddlers from safely exiting the canoe. Yes, these actually have to float and be paddled at the end of the day. Yeah. dokie. Because anybody could just make a cement canoe and set it on the front lawn. (laughs) But these puppies actually have to paddle. Canoes are to be able to pass the flotation test by the buoyant design of the canoe. No hollow cavities or air bladders are permitted. Flotation material shall be solid blocks of material. Particulate material such as foam, peanuts, sawdust, and similar products are not permitted. I'm going through. I'm not going to go through all the rules here because there was yeah. like a couple pages of it. But they get quite um, strict on some of this. Yeah. Not permitted. Not permitted. Mm-hmm. Not permitted. Maybe permitted, but that is not permitted. Yeah. <laughs> no know? cheating. Yeah. Flotation shall be limited to within three feet of the bow and stern sections. So any flotation you put in, solid flotation, must be in the th- within three feet of bow or stern. Okay. So you can't put something in the middle <laughs> to help out with flotation. All flotation materials must be encased in concrete. So one of the, the, the videos I was watching, they had foam blocks, and they are putting it right at the front of the bow. Okay. So they put the foam blocks in, but it all gets... Encased in concrete it's like afterwards. like a bulkhead in a normal canoe. Yeah. Um, so you can't get at it unless you bust the, 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 the concrete. The canoe shall pass a flotation test whereby the canoe floats horizontally, okie dokie, with the canoe floating level at the water surface within two minutes of being filled with water. Teams will have a maximum of 10 minutes to fully submerge and remove their canoe from the flotation tank or body water where the testing is being conducted. So it has to float mm-hmm. nicely, horizontally, yeah. and then they have to fill it with water to sink it, and but then it but it has to stay floating. Still buoyant. It can't, yeah, buoyant. It can't just right down to the bottom. Yeah. Because hmm. if it goes to the bottom, you're done. Yeah. You fail. You lose. So, <laughs> um, I started looking at all the rules and rigs and they started getting into the types of cements and the meshes used in the construction and how some of them use wires inside. And also I'm thinking it was like, like a fiberglass except with cement, right? Yeah. For, for reinforcing and stuff like that. There was a couple pages of equations and math that, I, <laughs> I just I just scrolled past it because yeah. yeah, man, there was too many letters and numbers <laughs> together and lines and symbols I've never too seen before much. and and whatnot. 
some of them make these competitions. They make a, ch- a small change every year so that no one can use the same boat from last year. Oh, okay, yeah. So when you start looking at um, the ingredients for, say, this year's concrete, mm-hmm. right, these are the ingredients you have to use. This is the mixture you have to use to make this concrete this year. Very specific. So yeah, the, the I mean, they're talking things changes. like white ash and all these other other things. Um, but it's like, they, they say this much of this, this much. This has to be your mixture, mm-hmm. right? It has to contain these things. It can't be more of this than that and, and whatnot. Um, and... Yeah, they they start. You, you start looking at how they're doing it, and you'd swear it's like they're making this massive wedding cake or something with the number of <laughs> different yeah. desi- uh, different uh, ingredients and stuff. And the one uh, video I was watching there, they were they were mixing it up, and usually they say you know like when it comes from a cement truck, it's liquidy, or you know somebody's yeah. building a, a a sidewalk, it's more liquidy. It and, pours like thick water. Yeah, this stuff is more. Like cookie dough. Okay. And so they have their 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 form or their mold, and they put it on and start forming it. More like icing a cake. It's it's exactly more like icing a cake. And then they have to spend time sanding and and all that sort of stuff. They can't use fillers and bondo and stuff to make filling cracks and holes. And there are these lists of do's and don'ts <laughs> a mile yeah. long. Uh, I got I got a lot of this. I've, I came across this 2016 Utah State University design report, and like I say, you just start looking through that, and um, so they they have to come up with their design, they have to make the boat, and they have to do a full report on the design process, the the concrete mixing process, all the ingredients. Uh, like just every last detail on from from getting the group together basically to saying we're going to build a build a concrete canoe to floating it mm-hmm. right everything has to be in that report so they get marked on all of this stuff right from the the Utah State University one their canoe was twenty feet ten inches long thirty one and five eighths inches wide. Okay, because I think my solo canoe is that size. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it's only 15 feet long, but 31 wide sort of thing. Yeah. 13 and a half inches deep. It's very dumb. It's draft, eh? That's, yeah, that's kind of, yeah. And the thickness of the hull itself, three quarters of an inch. On average thickness, yeah, yeah, average thickness. So it, there, you're you're trying to you're playing off between weight and and durability, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you sure you could save weight and go paper thin, but that's not going to last, right? No. And uh, any thicker, and you're just like it's just way too heavy and and hard to handle. So you got to find that balance. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You could make it paper thin if you wanted, but you got to remember, people got to get in this after and, and paddle. paddle it, <laughs> and they have races. Yeah. Afterwards, yeah. and I've watched some of these. Ra- these things go. Yeah. But they do. They do put um, graphics and stuff on it. Like, they, and some of these from a distance, you would not know these are 
Oh, yeah? Cement canoes. That, that's a pretty nice-looking canoe. And then you get over and you're going, Oh, wait a second. Oh, wait a minute, <laughs> sort of thing, right? What's this made out of? <laughs> so this canoe from 2016, 185 pounds. It's got some heft to it. It's got a little bit of heft. <laughs> My first canoe that I used to portage around Algonquin was like 90 pounds. Yeah. So if I got somebody to help me, we should be able to portage that bad two boy. Two people. Two people. It's like portaging two canoes. Yeah. And you want to slam this one on the ground. Oh, no. I just yeah, shattered I just my shattered canoe. It. Could you imagine hitting another rock with that? <laughs> Either chip it or crack it or break it. Well, you imagine doing a whitewater trip or something. <laughs> a David Lee trip. Yeah. They're whole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Day one. Yeah. We called dad to come and get us. Yeah. <laughs> Day one. After 20 kilometers of portaging, we, we had to throw in the towel. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, that's something. But yeah. And apparently, I didn't get into that rabbit hole, but it was a subsection of this rabbit hole. <laughs> There's also the cardboard canoe oh, yes. races. Yeah. I'm not getting into that one. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, there's you go and look, go and Google um, some of these the concrete canoe races, and you watch these guys go, and they're it's pretty cool. And even watching some of them where they they'll show you how they're designing them and and building them, what goes into building one of these. There's a lot of information. I mean, just watching it, you're like, okay, yeah, they're making their concrete and that, but. To, to see what goes into the actual concrete itself to make it lightweight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you won't catch me doing one. <laughs> so go build yourself a concrete canoe. It would be interesting. I'll be over. Okay, you do that, and I'll be making my corn husk re, uh, reed boat. <laughs> <laughs> Any hemp farmers out there? Need some rope. <laughs> Uh, let's take a quick break here and we come back. Uh, we're going to talk about a race that is coming back this year. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Sean Rowley and you're listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. To find out more about us, check out our website, paddlingadventuresradio.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Current and past episodes of our podcast can be downloaded or streamed from iTunes, Google Play, and the episode page of our website. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for the show, we would love to hear from you. So drop us a line on Facebook or our website. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the show. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at AlgonquinOutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. Welcome back. So, we've talked before about the Yukon River Quest. Uh, Like many things last year, it was kiboshed. Because of uh, the pandemic and everything. And there's still a few things this year that are canceled, but trying to get, we're slowly getting back to normal. You know what? Um, There are a lot of happy campers in Ontario right now because our uh, social media feeds were filled with pictures and everything of people getting out because everything opened on the weekend, right? 
Lots of people out in the boat enjoying themselves, sitting around campfires. So it's uh, after a long, arduous winter and a delayed spring tripping opportunities, it's uh, finally people out and uh, enjoying the outdoors. Hopefully people use their noodles and do it safely and, uh, you know, so that we don't have another shutdown because I will go ballistic. (laughs) I'm going to go full psycho. If you cause this next wave, I will personally hunt you down. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, it's nice to see that uh, a lot of things are starting to um, come back with, you know, changes to go with the guidelines, yeah. pandemic guidelines and stuff like that. People are, you know, everybody's making an effort to get back to some sort of um, normalcy, I guess. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the Yukon River Quest is one of them. Now, it's a 715-kilometer, 444-mile race from Whitehorse to Dawson City, and it begins next week, June 23rd. It didn't run, like I say, last year. But changes are made this year to remain compliant with pandemic rules and guidelines. Uh, It is an internationally popular boat race, and it draws paddlers from all around the world. This year's field, however, is a bit different. It's 48 uh, teams, I guess, um, and they consist mostly of local boats. Yeah, which makes sense. There's going to be with borders and everything closed down, with the limited restrictions and so on. It's you expect it just to be locals and mm-hmm. mostly locals, and you you expect that there's not going to be as many competitors because obviously people aren't traveling internationally yet. Well, and anybody that is coming up uh, has to do the two week. Yeah. <laughs> Stay, right? <laughs> that, that That's a huge expense onto your trip. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a few people that have done it. Um, there are a few people, um, yeah, te- like teams in Canada are able to register, but they have to meet the mandatory two-week self-isolation requirements. And there are a few people that have done it. So they are participating this year. In 2019, a record 117 paddlers began and only 86 finished. And this year, like I say, they're talking 48. Yeah. Right. The popular mad dash to the boats will change this year. Uh, so usually there's the the gun goes off, everybody runs to their boat, yeah. and it's all helter skelter on the shoreline. And you know, uh, this year their teams will leave in 15 second intervals, yeah. and the time differences will be made up in Carmax. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure how they're going to do that, but they've got it figured out anyway. They're also introducing a new race this year. Which is really cool. The half quest from Whitehorse to Carmax. Uh, there's people that, you know, well, I don't know that I'd be able to do the whole thing, but it'd be kind of cool to try it. Mm-hmm. You know, so this is right up that alley. That's, yeah. you know, like, get a couple extra people. Like in starting there. out by doing a half marathon or something. Exactly. Exactly yeah. like that. So they're, they're going to do that. They do say the usual festivities, the start and closing banquets, and that, that'll all have to wait until. Um, the the guidelines ease some and people can get more into larger groups and stuff. But right now that's uh, not happening. And there are the, the classes that are racing this year. Voyager, which are the big canoes. Yeah. Um, Four-person canoe, tandem canoe, solo canoe, solo kayak, tandem kayak, stand-up paddle boards. Huh. And there are at least one canoe... And all the, it's all women and they're all breast cancer survivors. Oh. We've talked about them before and they're Are they actually, doing a fundraiser? They're, they're actually racing again this year. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I just saw that 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 they were in the uh, the race this year. So, so I'll be uh, interested to see how that all turns out, and hopefully it's a, a big success. And next year, hopefully, there more people can get up there. And like I say, I mean, this is an international event. People come from all over the world. Yeah, and we have a shoe in for a place to stay if we need to. Good exactly. old Yukon. Yeah, we'll just go up and see Steve and say, "Hey, buddy, <laughs> I, I wonder if he's racing it." And as I'm looking at these details, I'm just thinking, it's like. A lot of these watercraft, I can imagine, I can picture myself doing it, whatever. It's like, this is a long race. It's uh, 715 kilometers, 444 miles. And i just trying to Im- imagine or picture in my head somebody doing that length on a stand-up paddleboard. I'm not saying you can't do it. Well, they've I'm done it. I'm just saying it would be exhausting yeah. to be standing for that distance. I want a chair. <laughs> At some point, I'm kneeling, laying. I want an outboard. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm just going to be laying on my belly using my hands, you know, maybe sit down, use a paddle, but bring a smaller paddle or something so you can sit down and paddle. Yeah. Because that's an extensive period of time to be... Uh, Standing. Yeah. Get a bar stool. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's going to be... My stand-up paddleboard is going to be laden down with different seating devices. Yeah. A little Helinox chair. There you go. Anything good. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't want to stand for, for, I mean, you're now somewhere along the line, I think it's a total of 10 hours. You have to stop and sleep or rest. You have to stop. There's mandated rest periods. Yeah. And I think there's two stop points that you have to, uh, you can decide, you know, you want to spend five hours in one, five hours in the other, six hours in one, four hours in the other. That sort of deal. But I believe it's 10 hours that you have to mm-hmm. um, cool your jets a bit. So, yeah. so you're not standing the entire. <laughs> <laughs> no, because occasionally you fall over. Yeah, occasionally you'll fall in <laughs> sort of thing. So so take a peek at that. Uh, hopefully we'll we'll hear. Well, when, when is the 23rd? That's like That's next, next, next Wednesday, Wednesday or something. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully we'll hear by next uh, next weekend. Yeah, so next, all went. next week's podcast, we'll be able to say that it started. Yeah. <laughs> so the race it's is coming started. Up. It started. It ended. Three weeks worth of material yeah. here. This is awesome. <laughs> uh, Montgomery, Alabama, because we've, we've also talked about something about like this before as well. Uh, work is beginning on a 120-acre development that's meant to bring new attractions and visitors to Alabama's capital with a whitewater rafting and other courses located just west of downtown area near Alabama River. The estimated $50 million Montgomery Whitewater is set to open in 2023. And guess what that's going to be? I don't know. It's going to be another one of those whitewater parks. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, they're popping up like wildfire, I tell you. Uh, using a system that recirculates water, the project will include white water rafting, kayaking, paddle boats, and paddle boats. Oh, I guess, yeah, and uh, canoeing. It will also have mountain bike trails, climbing areas, zip lines, and rope courses. How come mountain bike trails and zip lines always get bundled in with this sort of thing? Uh, yeah, you know, it's it's it makes sense to put it in. It's easy to do, low cost, low expense, and it adds that added adventure. Like it's it's easy to add. Hmm. No, no real huge expense. But a zip line. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, 
they hope the Whitewater development brings additional people to town while revitalizing the area. So, yeah, Montgomery, Alabama. They're going to have themselves a big old Whitewater Park. See, we got to start, we got to get a, a map and start putting pins in all of these on a map. So if we're ever going on trips. Yeah. Oh, look, quick, take a left. <laughs> There's this water park. There's, There's that water, water park. park. So Just what nonstop other, water parks? What other water park did we talk about recently? Dublin. Have you looked? I just had to no. look it up. No. Is it is it going or no? It's open. Is it open already? So it. Last had, I heard, they were still back and forth bickering whether they were going to build it. So it. When I went to the page, it said reopening June fifteenth. It says reopening. So it had shut down. I'm just sort of digging into it now, but this is, I'm trying to find the site map. I didn't think it was built yet. I didn't think it was so either, but it's, uh, oh, this is not the one that No, this is at. probably the one that's this is outside just, of town. This is the one, this is just a water park. Yeah. See the water park, they were talking, we already have a water park. Why don't you just adjust that one to include the white water stuff and give us money to build affordable housing? But they're saying, no, we're going to use that money for affordable housing and build a whitewater park right in the middle of Dublin. And there was a brouhaha that happened. Yes, <laughs> a brouhaha. Because it was, it's the, the, the price, like, skyrocketed. Yeah. It's like, it was like, oh, yeah, it's going to cost you $11 million. It's like, oh, sorry, it's up to $30 million now or something. Yeah. Right? I'm sorry, but you know what? Like, I love my paddling, but <laughs> if it comes down to paddling and. And building affordable housing for people. Wait a minute. Can you live in a canoe? <laughs> <laughs> no, they, they got it. I'm not even going to get into that. Oh, there we go. Okay. Here's the update on that uh, white water park in Dublin. So as of March 22nd, uh, the government has refused to fund the 25 million euro uh, Dublin whitewater rafting project. Mm-hmm. So it's dead in the water. Is there an election coming up? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Doesn't matter where you go in the world. If there's an election coming up and the townspeople are going angry. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So it's dead in the water now. Alrighty. So to speak. Well, Montgomery, Alabama is not going to have that problem. No, no. So. Uh, what's the other? Oh, one other thing that I was looking at. Because, you know, I'm always looking for places to paddle and stuff. And recently I've turned south of the border because I want to go south of the border. Last year, all our trips were canceled. and There's a lot, like I say, and not even far. I mean, we're talking within a 10-hour drive of us yeah. here. I mean, for me, 10 hours is nothing no. to drive. Um, there's an awful lot of great canoeing destinations. Oh, there's tons. Paddling, paddling destinations on a whole. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I was looking at this one, and I was pretty close to this one I years ago, years ago, about 23 years ago. Um, Acadia National Park in Maine. There, you want to talk some nice scenery. So it's right on the coast of Maine on Mount Desert Island. It isn't actually, it is actually a big island, and it's... Um, joined to the mainland by, like, like there's a couple little islands and bridges, that sort of thing. And perfect for all types of paddlers. 
And the thing about this place is you have the lakes that are on the island that are fresh water. And you've got the, the, the areas that come out into the salt water. There's one marsh that's fresh and salt water. So I guess there's a barrier at some point. Not really sure how that works, but um, like the, the science behind that. But uh, you go from fresh water into the salt water of the ocean, which is cool. Canoes, kayaks, stand-up paddle boards. The, the terrain, lots of hills and what they call mountains. Now, don't think Rocky Mountains. Think, you know, really, really big granite peaks and stuff like that. Uh, I, I'm thinking uh, Killarney, that sort of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Great for bird watching. There's lots of spots for doing that. There's bears, moose that roam around. Uh, You can arrange boat tours to go out and see seals and whales. And there's somewhere that we're talking, they do boat tours as well to go out to a couple of islands that actually have puffins. Yes. Now, whether you can take your, your canoe, kayak or whatever, and then paddle around and then catch a boat back, I don't know. I don't know how far those islands are, whether you can paddle. Now, if you are going out into the, the ocean, make sure you're experienced sea kayaker. Absolutely. That yeah, sort of deal. It, because this here area is, it, it's prone, it, it has tides. It's oh, yeah. uh, prone to bad weather and it's, uh, you have to be really careful. You have to know what you're doing. You can't just wing it. Yeah. Well, you can, but you're not, probably, you're probably going to lose. <laughs> There's no backcountry camping, unfortunately. They say because it's such a, a, a fragile yes, ecosystem there. Yeah. But there are four campgrounds, main campgrounds in the park. Uh, but they do have, there's a bunch of, of, of trips, day trips and multi-day trips and stuff that they say you can do. Uh, they listed a couple. One of them is Jordan Pond. Now, Jordan Pond has two giant granite peaks at the end of it, which they call the bubbles. Uh, and they, they provide a, a picturesque backdrop apparently. So you get this nice pond with these hills all around it and these two giant um, granite peaks. The western side of the park road on Mount Desert Island, you can explore via a loop trail that encircles the entire pond, right? So you can park, doodly-doo, or you can park, launch. Uh, Jordan Pond is a great paddle destination, not only for views, but also because its sheltered shores are typically manageable even in windier conditions. So if the winds are picking up, you'll still be able to go to have a good day paddling, right? And then they have a recommended trip. Launch your boat at the public ramp next to the parking area. Paddle your way north up the mile-long stretch of water. Land on the rocks near the small pedestrian bridge on the northeast side of the pond. Hike 0.4-mile trail up to the summit of the South Bubble for grand views of Jordan Pond and the surrounding areas. I've seen some of those pictures of those areas. Like mm-hmm. some of the views. Yeah. There are some spectacular views there. I mean, when we drove through through Maine, um, there, it was it was great scenery. I'd love, that's one of the areas I'd love to go back with the canoe. Yeah, I grew up in you know? New Brunswick, so I've, I've done a lot of tripping and traveling down into this area. I've, I've sailed down into the area and I've done camping trips into the area, like, like the, uh, I, I've done a lot of camping at the Desert of Maine campground. I've been to Acadia National Park, but I didn't camp there, but, on that island is Bar Harbor, Bahaba, yes. Maine, right on the bottom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's I've been... where that's where the boats uh, go out mm-hmm. for the whale watching and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. I sailed into Bar Harbor, Maine. Did you right yeah. into it? Well, into the harbor. 
<laughs> right down Main Street. <laughs> That's when he gave up sailing. Yeah. Uh, that trip going is like two miles required paddling and less one, less than one mile of hiking. If you mm-hmm. park your car, yeah. go to the, the bubbles and that. But yeah, some of that scenery is phenomenal. One of the things they talk about, um, is sunrise on Cadillac Mountain. And I've, people gather on yeah. Cadillac Mountain just to watch the sun come up. I've driven up Cadillac Mountain. It's, my car almost didn't make it. <laughs> it's a long, <laughs> steep drive. <laughs> well, apparently getting up there for the for the sunrise, yeah. like I say, there's people just waiting. Mm-hmm. And apparently, yeah, it's it's phenomenal views. Yeah, it's fantastic. I didn't I didn't catch any sunrises or sunsets, but uh, uh, in my old car back in the day, I overheated the car on the way up and overheated the brakes on the way back down. <laughs> oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't have that problem now. Why? Because you probably own a better car than you oh, did yeah, yeah, at yeah. that age. Well, my car back then was, was relatively new. Really? But it was back in, yeah, well, I had a Dodge Colt, four-cylinder. Ooh. With a turbo. Uh, Yeehaw. <laughs> I had a cricket, but there was lots of bugs in it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm here until Friday. Try the veal. <laughs> um, now, how do we say this was Soames? Soames? Soames. Soames. Yeah, Soames. Soames Sound. Yeah, Soames. It's a file, five-mile-long glacial embayment that nearly divides Mount Desert Island into two. Uh, paddlers can enjoy the ocean environment and a fairly sheltered location, right? So if you're not big into the seas and stuff, this is uh, sheltered that you can get in there. Bordered by mountains on the east and the west. Uh, and again, don't think the Rocky Mountains or something like that, or the Alps. Uh, situated in the center of um, Mount Desert Island, the sound gives way to open gives way to the open Atlantic at its southern mouth between Southwest Harbor and Northeast Harbor. So you can paddle. Now, they were saying it's like a fjord, but because it doesn't have the steep cliffs, they're calling it a fjord. (laughs) Really? Yes, with an A instead of an O. (laughs) I've never heard of that. Uh, Me neither, and I just stopped at that point. So it's a fjord, not a fjord. Pining for the fjords. Uh, so Fjord-like. Fjord-like. <laughs> so on the eastern side of the sound along Sargent Drive, because you know, I know where that is, there's a small designated picnic area that has its own small boat ramp. And this is a, a place to launch from as the views across from the west are stupendous. So even from the boat launch, apparently the views yeah, are, yeah. are phenomenal. Uh, you'll be there in the middle in the middle of the bay, giving you the opportunity to head north or south depending on your interest. So, do you want to go farther up the fjord, or do you want to go out to the ocean? <laughs> Bar Island can be found to the north, and the Narrows can be reached to the south. Enjoy the scenery and watch for seals. So, if you're in a kayak mm-hmm. and you're paddling along, yeah, and all of a sudden seals start popping up. I know. That's cool. That would be very cool. Right? And you've got all this scenery with these cliffs and not not steep cliffs, apparently, (laughs) and these mountains and everything. 
um, fiard clips. These clips. fiard fiard clips. Yeah, uh, <laughs> zipping up and down. Yard. Um, and yeah, and then seals are popping up and awesome scenery. That's cool. And they say total trip mileage, about as much or as little as you like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. I know, right? Then there's the Mount Desert Narrows. Uh, when, when they named this Mount Desert, was it Champlain, I think, named it? One of the early explorers. I want to say Champlain. Uh, he was French, and the way he pronounced it was basically it meant barren rock, uh, barren rock mountains. Okay. Right. Or desert. Right. That's way. So that's how, how it all. They, there's, there's a whole explanation on that. So it divides uh, Mount Desert Narrows divides Mount Desert Island from the mainland to the north. Its waterway hosts a wide range of paddling opportunities, sheltered from the lively movement and harsh winds of the open seas. So if you want to kind of get that feeling of being out there but not be out there, yeah, this sounds like the perfect spot to go. Uh, you got to be careful though, still, because the tides still get affected in this area. Oh yeah, absolutely. The ovens are sea caves on the northern side of Mount Desert Island, between Salisbury and Hull's Coves. This area is often overlooked due to its inaccessibility. There are no public land access available, so the only way visitors can explore these caves is via kayaks. What do they call it? The ovens? The ovens. Just, just sea caves. The ovens. <laughs> yeah. So if you've got a kayak, you yeah. can launch it and you paddle on over and yeah. check these out. Sea caves would be amazing to paddle into. Mm-hmm. I've always thought I'd like to do that. Like I, I've seen some sea caves that can be dangerous depending on the swell and the, and the tide and the, the waves hitting it. But otherwise, to paddle into a cave, into the into a side of a, you know, a rock wall, and yeah. I think it would be so cool. I've been in small ones up north that, you know, sort of go in maybe 10 feet sort of deal yeah. and you come back out, right? But... I mean, nothing massive. Yeah. But, um, and I don't have to worry about tides or anything like that, like you do here. Yeah. And you can explore the multiple outcroppings and either walk or paddle through Cathedral Rock, depending on the tide level. So there's a, another big one, I guess, that's... Yeah. You can, if the tide's low, you beach your kayak, and then you can walk through this rock. And if it's... Huh. And if it's... High tide, you can paddle through. Yeah. Right? Yes. I do believe it's uh, um, basically paddle from one side through to the other. So cool. Right? And they say a recommended trip from Lemoyne State Beach. It is 1.3 mile paddle to the ovens, 2.6 miles round trip. Note, the tides will affect how much of the caves are exposed. At low tide, you'll be able to land and walk around the caves. Oh, cool. At high tide, the caves are accessible by water only. High high tide may also allow you to paddle through Cathedral Rock. So cool. Mm Mm-hmm. There are many other paddling areas suitable for day paddles or multi-day trips. Uh, And, of course, they say only experienced paddlers proficient in navigation and water rescue should paddle the open seas uh, or seek a guide or instructor if you do not feel confident on open seas. So, yeah, that, I mean, that goes without saying. They, they talk about different islands that are around this that you can go paddle to for big, long day paddles. Some of them are 
takes a day to get there. Then you stay and then paddle back. And again, they get into the, the whole, you better be an experienced sea kayaker to be doing that sort of stuff. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, whales do go through every so often, I guess, on their migration routes. So mm-hmm. if you're out paddling in your sea kayak out in the ocean yeah, and you're seeing the seals and those, there have been, uh, one of the things I saw was an article was, uh, a sea kayaker was visited by a pod of porpoises Okay, in the sound, mm-hmm. right? Um, that'd be kind of cool. Yes, absolutely. Right? Get a little, a couple little porpoises coming up. Yeah. <laughs> Swimming Por- around. Porpie. Porpie? Porpoise-i? Porpoise-i-s-s-s-s-s-s-s-s-s-s-s-s-s-s-s-s-s-s-s-s-s-s-s-s-s-s-s-s-s-s-s-s-s-s-s-s-s-s-s-s-s-s-s-s-s-s-
nice paddling spots again. And they're oh, not absolutely. far from us. Yeah, uh, yeah, ex- exactly, right? You know, like when you guys went down to the White Mountains, how long did it take you to get there? In the party we, bus. We, yeah, in the party bus. It, we drove through the night. We uh, we hit the border. It was still daylight. And we ended up into the White Mountains. It was still dark. So it was, uh, I don't know exactly how many hours, but let's say six. Yeah. Or something. So, I mean, going 10 hours. Yeah. That covers a lot of. You get, yeah, it's a lot of ground. Yeah. yeah. So, hmm. uh, man, I, I. I'm really hoping by this time next year the borders open and we can be planning some things down there. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, there, there's a lot of people, you know, we go on the social media sites and, oh, the borders are closed. I, I'm missing my Algonquin trip this year. I can't get to Canada this year. Uh, the borders are closed. <laughs> we can't get to Maine this year. We yeah. can't get to Canada. Yeah. There was people we wanted to go see down there. and Yeah. We can't, we can't go do all these shows and, and visit all these people. And, it really makes you appreciate the, uh, the, the quantity amount for, for one, um, manufactured goods and, uh, raw goods, how much tra- crosses the border, but also how many people just would mm-hmm. on a daily basis would have been crossing the border. Like it's incredible. The, uh, well, we, you know, we do share a, a longest border in the world and it's, uh, we have some of the most intertwined economies. So this is a real knock just for not just business and stuff, but personal basis. Like, man, when's the next time we're going to be able to see John? Like you, know, it's been a while since he's been into Canada and, and, uh, it's, uh, with the borders open, families are going to be able to see each other again. Like, you know, we have Canadians that live in the States, Americans live in Canada mm-hmm. and it's, uh, it's going to be nice when the border opens again. I wonder if John's been stocking up on beer and cheese. <laughs> well, I hope he's not stocking up because it's, it's so long a shelf life. No, not these days. <laughs> you see what goes into beer and cheese these days? With craft beers, craft beers have a shorter shelf life, I yeah. believe. Well, he'll just drink them as he goes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, no, no. You know what? There's like, We always head north. Yeah. You know, that's that's always been our thing is we... we the friends that we brought into the rela- our relationship when we got out of college and all that and a lot of them head to Mexico or the Dominican yep. or Jamaica. Exactly, yeah. They they all head south, you know, and they're just like, where are you going for your, your Christmas vacation? We're going winter camping. I <laughs> know. When I say that to people at work, it freaks them out. You're, you're doing what? Yeah. There's something wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs> because, because at work, like I'd be, hey, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, I'm going camping. It's February. What are you talking about? What? What do you mean? Well, what am yeah, I talking about? Yeah. I'm going camping. Got to be prepared. Well, <laughs> yeah. That nuclear war happens, buddy. I'll be up north. <laughs> yeah, I'll be ready. <laughs> nice knowing you. I've already, uh, I've already picked up my secret spot <laughs> at the post-nuclear war log cabin that I'm going to build. <laughs> exactly. No, but you know what? Like I say, they they always head south. We always head north. But there's a lot of spots south of the border. Like, I'm not talking Mexico South or the islands South. I'm talking the U.S. South. Yeah. You know, that I'd love to just go paddle. Uh-huh. You know, um, the, there, there's the uh, the Catadine Forest Trail that that's uh, on the, over the East Way here. Um, but even still, like, going to hit some of the places with John, the, the lower Wisconsin and go down to the Ozarks. and Oh, yeah. Even drive out a bit farther and, yeah. and you know. Uh, I know Jerry Vandiver is and and Nor- the guys from uh, um, oh why am I drawing a blank on the canoe North 
West. Oh, North Star. North, North Star. Yeah. I want to say Northwest Canoes. North Star Canoes. Sorry, fellas. Yeah. Uh, North Star Canoes. They're always heading, like, I think to Colorado and stuff like that to go. Um, I'd love to go go paddling out there. Yeah. You know, and just go with a bunch of people. Yeah, where are you? I'm going to join you and, and see, see how they get a perspective on how they do it. Yeah. Because, I mean, we do our stuff differently in Northern Ontario. Yeah. Sort of thing, you know, Northern Canada. Down there, they do their stuff a certain way. I mean, yeah, there's going to be the same things, but, but yeah, with, with uh, everything that happened last summer, like I say, we had nine trips we were supposed to head south, and all nine of them got kiboshed. I know, right? <sighs> and some of them were try out different canoes too. So different couple of canoe companies wanted us come and try their stuff out, which would have been awesome. Yeah, just think all these all the future trips are going to be that much sweeter. Yeah, yeah. I didn't use all my holidays from last year. Can I use them this year? <laughs> I'm and if take I won that seventy off. million dollars, <laughs> yes, I'd just I go across the country testing out different canoes. And how would I be <laughs> testing them out? In the nude, because <laughs> that's what I'm doing when I'm filthy rich. <laughs> you can do what you want. I can do what I want. I'm doing everything naked. <laughs> you see some guy in the canoe stark naked. People yelling at him. <laughs> Shout and say hi. Hello. <laughs> uh, I think that's all I've got this week. That's all I have. <laughs> uh, we covered yeah. a lot of ground this we podcast. Did. We did. We did. Well, if you want to find out more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can download or stream our episodes from iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, Player FM, iHeartRadio. iHeartRadio, I will just say, when we put up the episodes on Thursday mornings, I usually have them going up about 5 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Uh, anywhere between 5. They're always on there by 9. Yeah. If I can get them around there for, for 9 or 5 in the morning, I do. iHeartRadio takes longer than any other to grab it and upload it to, on their own site? To upload it on their own site. So where do you, you upload to your Apple? Well, no, I upload it to our own server. Oh, our and own then, server. Yeah, Apple will pull it from there. Okay, okay. Uh, uh, iTunes will pull it from there. Uh, Spotify will pull it from there. Okay. Player FM pulls it from there. Mm-hmm. iHeartRadio pulls it from there. But iHeartRadio is the, is the mm-hmm. slowest. Hmm. So, but it does show up there and you can listen Eventually. to it. Eventually. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, you can download from all your favorite podcast downloading sites. Go to the episode page at Paddling Adventures Radio and listen to our episodes there, which I know a lot of people do. Thank you very much. And if you are at PaddlingAdventuresRadio.com on the front page, which tells you what's on this week's episode, there's a big circle that says merch. Ah, yes. If you want to click that, you can go check out our store. Get your t-shirts now. Yeah. Uh, if you enjoy the podcast, please share it with your family, friends, fellow paddlers, and spread the love. I want to thank you, everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time.